Guardian Unlimited. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Islamophonic, our weekly take on Muslim life in Britain. We're days away from celebrating the new financial year, woohoo! So we thought we'd have a look at the world of Islamic banking. Cash cow or cure its egg? Joining me in the studio are The Guardian's personal finance writer, Tony Levine, and Janaid Batty from the Islamic Bank of Britain. Hello and assalamu alaikum to you both. Wa alaikum salam. Now, halal banking doesn't mean an absence of pork in your checkbook. Under Sharia law, making money from money is forbidden. So, in its broader sense, you can't charge or receive interest. As we all know, that's called riba. So, there's a knock-on effect on current accounts and mortgages. But here's how Muslim banks get round this issue. Ijara. The bank buys something for you and leases it back to you over a specific period. Mudaraba. Someone invests your money, but you have to share your profit with the bank. Murabaha, the bank buys something for you, and you buy it off them at a higher price, paying them in instalments. Musharaka, an investment partnership in which profits are agreed in advance. I have with me Tony Levine from The Guardian and Janaid Batty from the Islamic Bank of Britain. Tony, how much is the Islamic finance market worth in this country? Um, no, nobody actually knows exactly, but we're probably talking about half a billion at the moment. But it's um, predicted to grow as people understand it more. Junaid, you're from the Islamic Bank of Britain. Are there halal products for every financial need? Can you get a halal credit card? In this country, no. Okay. Uh, however, there are uh, halal credit cards available in other countries. They are structured differently so that there's no interest involved. So they're more like charge cards, really. Although some halal credit cards, as far as I'm aware, do have uh, a monthly fee. And the way it works is you get a gift back from the credit card provider, as it were, and the amount is dependent upon how much you've used the card. Right, OK. So that's credit cards. But things like baby bonds, savings, pensions, all those things, can we access those? Um, you, you certainly can. In terms of baby bonds, however, there's only one provider, which is called the... Is children. that you? Uh, no, <laughs> it, it's not me. It's, uh, uh, it's not me at all. Uh, I'd love it if it was me, but it's, it's a company called the Children's Mutual. In terms of savings accounts, it is us. Uh, Islamic Bank of Britain is the only provider of halal Islamic banking in the UK to provide a savings account, which is based on Mudaraba, which you've already alluded to, whereby you will give your money to us, the bank, we invest it on your behalf and we've agreed that we will share in the profits with you that we generate with your money. Presuming a profit is made, of course. Yes, that's right. OK. Tony, how many banks are providing these services? Basically, on, in the mortgage area, there's, there's only two mainstream banks. One's HSBC. Yeah, it's got and, an arm called Amana Finance. And the other one's a bank called Alborak, which um, provides products for Lloyds TSB and Bristol and West. And that's about it. Plus, there's an Islamic Investment Unit Trust, which comes out of Scottish Widows in Edinburgh. And the Islamic Investment tries to avoid things like armaments, alcohol, tobacco, pork products, pornography. So that rules out Sainsbury's and um, supermarkets that sell pork, alcohol, tobacco. Um, <laughs> they don't sell armaments, obviously. Uh, Walmart does, of course, in the States. But, but uh, yes, it probably does rule them out. So, in fact, they, they have a list of 1,500 approved companies that they can invest in across the world. 
Right, okay. Junaid, yeah. big question for you. Banks make huge profits. Islamic banks don't charge interest. How are you making your money? Are you making any money? Are you making any profit? Uh, Islamic banking across the world is very successful. Um, if you look at Saudi Arabia, for example, 80% of people in Saudi Arabia are customers of Islamic banks. If you look they don't really have a choice, I would have thought. Uh, they certainly do. They're, 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 the conventional banks were there long before the Islamic banks arrived. Uh, similarly, if you look at somewhere like Malaysia, which you know has a huge non-Muslim population, 40% of non-Muslim populations banking with Islamic banks. Now, the way Islamic banks make money is very simple. It's through different structures. So in, it, essentially, it's investments and buying and selling on profit and works through rental payments as well. So for example, in a mortgage, we don't have any such thing as a mortgage in Islam. However, you can have an equivalent, which is home financing. And the way that will work is on a shared ownership basis. You own 90% and I own 10%. Yes, it, it, it could be that way. If you put down you know, equivalent, equivalent yeah. to a 10% deposit, then we are partners in the ownership of the property um, and you have to pay us rent on the proportion that you don't own. So you're paying rent on 90% of that property, which you're using. Okay, so the experts think there's lots of money to be made in Islamic finance, but what do Muslims think? I'm here at Regent's Park Mosque for their Grand Bazaar and it's incredibly busy and very noisy as well. I'm surrounded by crying babies, samosas and salesmen. On the other side of the room I've just spotted an HSBC stall. Uh, it's under the banner Amana Islamic Finance. Lots of posters everywhere with minarets on them just to prove how Islamic these products really are. And there are two guys manning the store. They seem to be doing fairly well. So let's go and talk to them and find out what people are asking and more importantly what they're telling our punters. Okay, so you're here at the Regent's Park Mosque Grand Bazaar. There are loads of people here. What kind of questions are people asking you? A lot of them are asking, you know, what the criteria is, how much deposit will I need to put down. Actually, the most common is, how does it work? You look like you're quite interested in Islamic finance. I am. I'm getting very concerned about the level of interest that I'm paying in respect to business and personal accounts. I think Islamic banking is a system which is really works better and how I can say it, if we really want to preserve the humanity and preserve the, 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 the people to be fine and to be people to, be, to live in harmony. Is it appealing to you? Um, I haven't really looked at it yet, but inshallah, I hope to uh, look at it soon. As soon as, I, as soon as my coffers start you know, filling up, it's, it's very appealing for Muslims to have the option of not going for something that is um, in conflict with their faith. Is it good value for money? It is at the moment. If there's always there's going to be that scepticism about how you know Islamic finance is much more expensive than conventional mortgages, and it's understandable because remember mortgages have been around for many years. Islamic finance has over been in short term, so you know we need more people to to come into it in order to get a bit, let's say economies of scale with regards to being able to buy large funds and be able to give better rates. But I can tell you now, we're not the most cheapest, but we're not the most expensive. These banks are charging extra money than the high street banks. It's good to go to according to our own religion, but why I will be penalized? So I think these guys, they're doing a good job, but they're taking too much money. That's a fairly healthy reception then. But not everybody at Regent's Park Mosque is convinced by the Sharia-ness of Sharia compliance. I'm looking for something that will cater for me as a Muslim with no interest, not with any form of interest whereby it's named as a different name. Are you saying that Islamic banking isn't necessarily Islamic because it's interest by another name? Yes, this is exactly what I'm saying. Do you have a house? I do, yes. How did you buy your house, if you don't mind me asking? I bought it through cash. 
absolute cash. That was it. And Islamic banking to me is not different than the other banking. How would you go about buying a home in this country? I would, as, as everybody, I would just ask for a mortgage and go for a mortgage. Why not? If I was completely sure that it was completely Sharia compliant, I would certainly take part. That includes things like mortgages? If the scholars who are well versed in the deen know that if they study it and look into it and say that it's fine according to Islamic guidelines, why should I have a problem with it? It sounds like you're not quite sure whether these products are Sharia compliant. I'm not. I'm not, that's the truth. Would it take a certain scholar to... I think the scholars that I consider to be, you know, very much in line with the Quran and the Sunnah and the correct understanding, if they vouched for them, then really I wouldn't have any problem with that because it says in the Quran, ask those who know if you do not know. So, you know, I would have covered myself in that respect, in that regard. So you've only been here for a couple of hours, but in terms of take-up, have you had lots of inquiries? Definitely. I mean, if I can tell you now, in the last, uh, I would say, in the last few hours since we're here from 11 o'clock, so about five hours we've been here, yeah? We've probably got about 100 bags. They're all gone. We've also taken referrals and taken information from customers that want to be spoken to and to be more informed about how it works. So the interest is there. However, you know... I, uh, what HSBC Oman are trusted is getting with the community to do that because we find that the community don't really want to come out of their shells and come to us, so we'll come to them. A mixed bag of opinions there. Someone who is very suspicious about Islamic finance is Dr. Muhammad Salim. He's written two books on the subject, one called Islamic Banking, a Charade, and the other is Islamic Banking, a $300 billion deception. Strong stuff. I wanted to know what his beef was with halal banking. If you look at the Quran, I think the Quran values honesty. Looking at Islamic banking products, and especially the financing products, I find that it is a bit of deception because the Islamic banks charge interest, but they simply call it something else. They call it either a markup, they call it profit, they call it fees. But at the end of the day, they charge exactly the same amount as a conventional bank would charge. And therefore, I believe this, that is a deception. So what you're basically saying is that the very notion of halal banking is impossible. No, it is. It is possible. Okay. In fact, one of my, in my, my main thesis in the book is that there is a financing technique called, especially in the West, which is called venture capital. And that's what actually Islamic banks are supposed to be doing. And that's what they say they want to do. But in practice, they don't do it. Um, because there's no money in it, presumably. They won't no, make any profit No, there is money. I think, I think they're partly because I think they don't have perhaps the technical skills to evaluate the projects. But that's all very well for businesses, but you can't buy your house with I your theory. You could do, actually, um, the, the, uh, the, the, the home mortgages mm. uh, along the Islamic lines at all. Mm. I know the banks are doing it, yeah. but they're again using a loophole. Right. Basically, they're saying what they're saying is what we will do is we will buy the house for you, for you yeah. and then, rent and then it we'll back lease, to you. It, lease it to you. Okay. But that's no different than what a conventional bank does. Yeah. And, so how uh, are you supposed to buy your house? Because well, I think the, that's the biggest single cash purchase that Muslims will make in their lives. Well, my actually thesis actually goes back a bit further, I think, which is I have a problem that I don't think the word riba refers to interest. What do you think it refers, it refers to? It refers to usury, which is exorbitant, excessive interest, right, okay. as opposed to interest, which is normal interest. Mm -hmm. If you study the Islamic history and, and, and when the, this, these verses came in the, in the Quran, um, they were essentially these money lenders mm -hmm. in Arabia, in 7th century Arabia, and they would take advantage of people. 
Quranic verses came really mm-hmm. in response to those conditions, saying, you know, the, these money lenders should not take advantage of these people. And, and in fact, it went down to yeah. say that they should have compassion and, mm-hmm. and good heart, that in fact, if a customer wasn't able to pay back yeah. on time, they should really forgive the mm. debt. You know. I mean, it's a huge market. I mean, you're talking, yeah. uh, when you wrote the book, you said it was $300 billion. And mm-hmm. what advice do you have for Muslims? They're listening to this, they're thinking, oh my gosh, it is actually interest. I'm in exactly the same boat as I would have been had I gone to a normal bank. Would you just say to them, get a normal mortgage, get what suits I your budget? I would say get a normal mortgage. In fact, it's probably even uh, more um, dangerous to buy a house along Islamic lines. I'll tell you why. In a conventional home mortgage loan, Mm -hmm. as soon as you purchase the home, Mm -hmm. the title is transferred to the the customer. Yes. Whereas in the case of the Islamic banking type of financing, Mm -hmm. the title remains with the bank. Okay until all the payments have been made to the bank. And during that time, mm-hmm. if there is a dispute about payments and a default, yeah. a late payment, something, it's much easier for an Islamic bank to take possession of the, the house. house. This is really serious. So in fact, <laughs> it's, it's a disadvantage. To have your mortgage with an Islamic bank. Precisely. Yowzers. Dr. Mohammed Salim, Jazakallah for coming into our studio. Thank you, pleasure. Tony Levine, is Islamic banking a con? Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'm not convinced by a lot of it. I looked at the mortgage thing, and the mortgage, the way you pay rent, it is interest by another name, because the rent is based, at least from one of the lenders I spoke to, and I think for both the main ones, it's based on um, LIBOR, which is an interest rate. LIBOR stands for London Interbank Offered Rate, which is one of the main interest rates going in the market. So the rent you pay is not rent in the accepted sense. It's rent which is recalculated every six months using an interest rate and then adding on a percentage for the bank's profit. So it's like a double whammy almost. It's a double whammy and it's exactly the same as the conventional mortgage where they take an interest rate, although at the moment their interest rates are much lower, and they add on a margin. In fact, the margin on this on conventional mortgages is actually much lower. If I bought your £250,000 house using a conventional mortgage, mm. my monthly repayments would be approximately 15% less than using the Islamic mortgage. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just not convinced. Junaid, there you go. I saw you smiling during those various interviews. What have you got to say? There's so much to respond <laughs> so to much here. To <laughs> I will say that Dr. Salim is entitled to his opinion. And that's fair enough. And it, it is an argument that I that I hear regularly. The reality is that the conditions placed on Islamic banking are very strict and they're all based on Sharia. Every Islamic bank in the world has a panel of scholars who are an overseeing committee who audit their procedures, processes and operations to ensure that it's 100% compliant with Sharia. But okay. you have different scholars for different banks. I mean, the, one of the ladies I spoke to was a niqab wearer, very practising, very orthodox, and she said, I don't know who's approving these products. And she said, until I see a scholar that I can identify with, who I like and, you know, who makes me feel comfortable about my religion, I won't go for these products. I don't know who these people are, just saying Sharia this, Sharia that. What you've got to appreciate is, Islamically, having differences of opinion is fine. Yeah. Uh, scholars disagree all the time. Now, what you've got to understand is that 
it's a very specialized subject, it Islamic is. finance. Um, so there aren't, you know, like thousands and thousands of scholars who know their stuff. Mm. And there aren't any celebrity scholars, as it were, that everyone's <laughs> right. heard of. You know, the, these are just hardworking scholars who yeah. have dedicated their lives to a particular topic and they're experts in it. And they are very strict. I think, you know, th- there is this perhaps some, sometimes there's this misconception that I get whereby, you know, the scholars tell them, you know, the scholars essentially say what we tell them to say. It doesn't work that way at all. Well, they'd go to hell if they did that. Well, and also, you know, it, it, it's you've got to imagine these people are scholars. They've got their personal pride and they've mm. got their ethics, and they're not going to be bullied by a bank <laughs> to say anything. <laughs> Perish the thought. Yeah. I mean, do you think there should be some kind of central Sharia banking standard, like a kite mark um, or a th- red lion? There already is. FSA um, th- for Islam. There, there is something equivalent, which is uh, called AOFI, and it's based out of Bahrain, and it's it sets the accounting standards for Islamic finance. And that organization is there to ensure that th- th- there is some consistency across what scholars are doing in you know, uh, organizations across the world when it comes to Islamic finance. Now, in terms of the LIBOR issue, what the scholars have said is it doesn't matter which benchmark you use. If you mm-hmm. want to use LIBOR as a benchmark, that's fine. If you want to use any other benchmark, that's fine. What's important is the, the substance of the contract. And I, I would disagree uh, with, with those who say that it's, it's going to be 15% more expensive. Tony, what are your concerns about competition and choice? I think at the moment we have only two significant players in the UK market. Therefore, there's very, very little competition and choice. But things will get slightly better come next, um, when is it, April the 6th, mm-hmm. because from then on, um, Islamic mortgages will be the same as conventional mortgages, and they will at least have to give people who inquire about them something called a financial information summary, which for the past three years has been given to uh, people inquiring about conventional mortgages, which will enable them to compare what's on offer. And the whole problem, I think, with um, the Islamic mortgage is that as you, as you found yourself from the, the Regents Park Mosque, there's a whole variety of people from, at the one end, the most observant, mm. who would probably buy this product if it was priced twice as expensively. Mm. As long as it agreed with... As long yeah. as it agreed. Then at the other end, there are those who simply do not care. And that is, you know, that's, let's face it, that's going to have to be, at the moment, the majority of Muslims buying a property. Mm. They will have gone to the conventional market. But in between... There's the third group who are what I would call the, the marginal group. They will buy this if, it, if they see it is reasonably priced. Yeah, it has to offer value for and, money. And offer some value. Once they've done that, then they may appreciate some of the other values. Because, you know, certainly in the abstract, I do see Islamic banking as having a lot of values. At the moment, though, the Islamic mortgage is simply expensive. Junaid? Um, it's, it's expensive compared to, you know, th- there are providers out there who will do you the... You're, what you're comparing against is the absolute bottom rate that you can get in the market, the cheapest mortgages possible. However, you've got to appreciate is mortgage prices are a range and Islamic mortgages sit somewhere in the middle. You can easily get a far more expensive mortgage, but then, you know, yes, you can certainly get a cheaper mortgage. What you want to appreciate is that Islamic mortgages, because by the very nature of the rules surrounding the regulations surrounding them, are more complex operationally and that adds costs for the providers so I doubt if there will ever be as cheap as your your, your best buy bottom uh, you know, price on the market but they should be competitive and all the providers are aiming for that 
So basically, it's a toss-up between your wallet and the afterlife. Um, it shouldn't be a huge difference. Yes. <laughs> it's right, OK. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks, please. Now, someone who loves halal banking is Ed Balls, the Economic Secretary to the Treasury. He's a keynote speaker at the London Islamic Financial Services Summit and I asked him why he was such a fan of halal finance. In Britain, we have two million people of the Islamic faith and there are very many people in our country who want to be able to access Sharia-consistent products and it's our job to make sure that that's available. What does the government get out of it? I think the government gets, um, first of all, the tax revenues and jobs which flow from the city being a major financial centre for these new Islamic finance products. I mean, just to give you one fact, if you look at the bond market in the Gulf countries, about 85% of bond issuance in the last few years has been in Sukuk products, which are the um, Islamic finance consistent bonds. So it's growing fast, it's very important. At the same time, there are lots of individual British citizens who want to have this choice. And uh, over the last three or four years, we've been putting in place tax changes to make it possible for this new market to grow. And it's um, providing decent services now for many thousands of people in our country, and that's a good thing. If it's so good, why don't you use Sharia-compliant products? Well, don't I? Because it's not my faith uh, to do so. But it should be possible for people to have a choice. And if that means changing the tax and regulatory system, then we should do it. Gordon Brown announced some measures in the budget to give Sharia finance the same tax treatment as other investments. Um, Can you just talk us through those changes in very simple terms? What we've been trying to do is find ways in which people can have the same effect, um, getting a mortgage on a house, getting a loan for a business, buying insurance, or um, in the recent budget, being able to borrow money on the international capital markets without breaking rules around um, the payment of interest. And there are ways in which um, clever people can structure financial arrangements to have the same effect as taking a mortgage, but without you ever having to borrow the money and pay the interest. Our problem has been that the regulatory and tax position tend to penalise those unusual financial ways of doing things, whereas by listening, by consulting, by talking to um, the experts in the Muslim community, we've seen ways in which we can change tax law to allow people to have insurance, bank accounts, mortgages, which are consistent with their faith and religious teaching, achieve the same effect as a mortgage or a loan. And we've been able to get a level playing field in tax and regulation for those products. This means you've got a booming market in Britain. The Child Trust Fund, for example, is um, an account where kids all across Britain can now save in an account and get interest. The West Bromwich Building Society now produces a Sharia-compliant Child Trust Fund. So people who want to um, get the benefits without actually having to... um, get involved in um, things which would break their religious teachings, can do so. It just seems to me it's about, um, about, um, about respect, about fairness, about giving people proper choices. Last week saw Gordon Brown waving his red suitcase around for the final time, but it was also the unveiling of a new inflation shopping basket, which, among other things, tracks consumer spending. I've got my basket here, so let's find out where I'm spending my well-earned Guardian cash. Two of the items in my basket are credit card charges and mortgage fees. I don't have a mortgage or a credit card, so I'm taking those out. And another item that's in the inflation basket is a digital radio. I've got one here. Can you hear that? Lovely bit of Bangra for you. Well, 
Music is a grey area in Islam, so I'm going to take that out as well. Satellite navigation systems... After 400 yards, turn right. ...are in the basket, but you don't need SatNav to tell you where your local mosque is because, of course, you go there five times a day every day. So let's get rid of that too. Electric fans are in the basket. We're going to hang on to those because they cool Muslims down when we get overheated about inflammatory issues such as the veil. And recordable DVDs are very important for making and distributing propaganda material, so we're going to keep those in our basket. And, of course, you don't cook curries with olive oil, so let's get rid of that and put vegetable oil back in. Without all that extra inflation in my basket, I reckon it's much cheaper to be a Muslim. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? I, I must admit, I never thought of it. <laughs> well, you don't drink. You don't have to buy certain meat products. You no, know, no. You're not listening to music. Your holidays are limited. You don't stay in hotels. You very rarely eat out. It's We've got loads of cash. You should have, yes. yes. Most of the things, actually, that you're saying you don't do yes. are things which have gone up much more... For instance, uh, restaurant meals have gone up much, mm-hmm. much more than just the local corner shop would have done. I hadn't actually thought about it, but yes, it's a good idea. Jazakallah <laughs> to our guests, Tony Levine from The Guardian and Janaid Batty from the Islamic Bank of Britain. That was Islamophonic. It was produced by Francesca Panetta and it was presented by me, Riaz Akbat. Don't spend all your money at once and until next week, stay halal. Guardian Unlimited.